Greg Wyshynski, in the interests of full disclosure, we are always in the interest of full disclosure on ESPN Daily. I know nothing about hockey, and I rely on you to know things on our behalf. And and I will say that some of the stuff you told us back in May, as the playoffs were getting underway, some of it was absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, okay. Tampa, you were right about them, right? Like, they were fantastic, have been fantastic. Connor McDavid has has been somebody to fear. You got that right. Nathan McKinnon, same deal. Colorado, you were ahead of the curve there. All of that is true. I don't see the problem yet, Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) The problem, Greg, is that uh, your crystal ball... um, how, how would you defend the prophecies that you've made beyond the stuff that I just gave you credit for? Well, obviously, none of you are familiar with the idea of the reverse jinx. Oh, I'm the person who has engineered this Stanley Cup final for the ages. You think the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche have the ability to make it through this arduous gauntlet known as the playoffs to get to the final round without my mystical abilities of picking every series wrong basically for them? Obviously not, Pablo. Greg, I thought I thought there was a chance you'd go with like the problematic historical figure defense. Like you need to judge me by the standards of my time. A lot has changed. But no, you've gone full on. You've gone full on. I am the puppet master of a Stanley Cup final that you would describe as we stare into it now. How? It's, a, it's one of the best ones we've ever seen on paper. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that just on the fact that you have two of the best teams, maybe the two best teams in the league facing off for the Stanley Cup with a collection of star players, young and old, that both play an extraordinarily high quality of hockey, not only offensively, but defensively. But then you also have the grand narratives along with this series. Mm. The Tampa Bay Lightning going for a three-peat, the first since 1983 in the National Hockey League. The Colorado Avalanche, this team that has been bubbling under the surface to become the next one as far as teams that challenge for multiple Stanley Cups, finally breaking through and getting their chance at winning a championship. So what you're saying as a self-defense here is basically, you're welcome. Absolutely. Find another person that negged their way to the Stanley <laughs> Cup final this good. Oh, Greg Wyszynski, yeah, you've Kino escalated your way <laughs> into actually being on the right side of history. Congratulations. Thank you. Playoff hockey is a uniquely seductive experience, even to sports fans who would not normally consider the NHL their type. The heart beats faster. Every interaction, every game is suddenly extremely physical. And it does seem telling that in the last 20 years, the team with the best regular season record has won the Stanley Cup exactly twice ensuring that pretty much everybody takes turns looking like an idiot. So today, with the Stanley Cup final starting tonight on ESPN, we return to our beloved fortune teller, Greg Wyshynski, 
who tells us what is going to happen as the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche face off in a matchup for the ages. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Wednesday, June 15th. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Greg Wyshynski, we are here. Well, you are not here. I'm in my closet in New York. You are in Denver, Colorado, where game one is about to happen tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. What's the vibe like, man? What's in the air? And I guess there is one thing that I know is probably in the air, statistically speaking and legally speaking. But beyond that, what's <laughs> what's the air feeling and smelling like? Oh, man, they're psyched. They're pumped, man. You know, they've been waiting for a return to the Stanley Cup final since winning it in 2001. They haven't made the conference final since 2002. And this incarnation of the Avalanche, they've been a disappointment in the playoffs. They've been unable to get past the second round in four straight seasons. They've been waiting for this breakthrough moment, waiting for this collection of players to come together, finding the right supporting cast and getting a shot at the cup. And then on top of that, getting home ice in the Stanley Cup final is always a special thing. And so we'll get to the Avalanche actually in a second here, Greg. But I do want to get to the team that they're about to play. I think that's where I want to start this because the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm trying to figure out how impressed we all should be. They are pursuing their third straight Stanley Cup. They're three-peating this, potentially. No one has done that in major American sports since the Lakers did it 20 years ago. So how do you calibrate your personal level of awe when it comes to what the Tampa Bay Lightning might do here? Well, you know, I don't traffic in hyperbole. Never. But if the Lightning were able to win a third straight Stanley Cup, it would be one of the greatest achievements in sports history. And let me tell you why. The last team to three-peat in the NHL was in 1983. It was the end of the New York Islanders dynasty. It's over. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. Yeah, in fact, that was the fourth straight cup for the Islanders, and nobody obviously has done that in almost the 40 years since. Six other teams have won two straight cups since 1983. The Oilers and Penguins did it twice, the Detroit Red Wings did it once, and now the Lightning have done it. The previous five times, those teams didn't advance past the second round. To do this in the salary cap era is remarkable. That era in the National Hockey League started in 2005. Serious constraints on the amount of money that you can pay your players and teams are constantly having to churn their roster over because of the constraints of the salary cap. Uh, you know, they worked the system as as the system exists. First Steve Eiserman, the GM, now Julianne Brisebois, the GM, to keep the salary levels of their players down a little bit advantageous because of the tax situation in Florida in which they've been able to kind of lower the cap hit for some of their star players mm. and also to create enough room to go out and find low cost 
reinforcements for their team, veteran players that want to come in and, and play for a Stanley Cup. To achieve three straight Stanley Cups in the salary cap era would be remarkable in the context of modern NHL history and the entirety of NHL history. So they have excellent tax attorneys. They know how to work the letter of the law, all of which I suppose we should praise in late capitalism's most recent iteration here. But okay, what they have done in this postseason, describe the road that they took to get here because this iteration of the Lightning is something special. It truly is. So in the first round, the Lightning played the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as we are talking about the Colorado Avalanche as the quote-unquote next ones, a lot of people thought this was going to be the Leafs' year to finally break through and win a playoff round, then off they go. It wound up being a seven-game series, a very tough series. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, the Lightning star goalie, did not play all that well against the Leafs' offensive attack. But in the end, they win a game seven. They advanced to play the Florida Panthers. Idiots like me thought the Panthers could be the next one. I was rooting for them. I wanted the rats. I wanted all of it to rain down. And we did not get nearly enough rats. That is my number one critique of the playoffs in the NHL. It's very true. Sometimes you uh, have to score goals in order to see the rats fly. That's the problem (laughs) when uh, you're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning swept them. As the Tampa Bay Lightning move on to the conference embarrass their state rivals, knock them on their their keisters, and off they go to play the New York Rangers. Now, they had a massive layoff, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the context of the Avalanche. Nine days between Mm. series, and they played the Rangers, and the Rangers really took advantage of that rust. Yes, Came out, won the first games at Madison Square Garden, had a 2-0 lead going back to Tampa, and then the Lightning became the Lightning. They won four straight. They eliminated the Rangers. Andre Vasilevsky outduels Igor Shachurkin, the Rangers' brilliant young goalie. And here we are with the Lightning back in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, so the light switch turning on because that Rangers series, I mean, Madison Square Garden, my God, people were starving in this city, in New York, <laughs> for something like this, for those first two games in specific, right? Where Vasilevsky is getting shelled, all right? Like allowing nine goals on 62 shots, I believe the math is. And then it flips. And what is the reason for that flip? If you listen to Lightning coach John Cooper, it was after the second period in game two when he realized that his team had figured things out. John, um, you mentioned last night that you guys had gotten away from, the, you used the word recipe a little bit. Um, I'm wondering at what point last night did you feel like that recipe was back in play, so to speak, for what you wanted to do against the Rangers? Eight minutes left in the second period of game two. To go back, it was puck management. And you don't get to execute anything you want to do unless you have the puck. And we didn't have the puck at all in a lot of the first game and the first half of the second game. That sounds like a real disappointed dad. (laughs) He certainly was. And a very angry one from what he told me as far as getting his point across in the locker room. But if you track the number of turnovers the Lightning had in this series against the Rangers, they decreased pretty precipitously from game one to game two to game three to game four. And the reason is that the Lightning started to really take care of the puck more, really reduced the number of rush chances the Rangers were able to get, and started to play a brand of defense that has become synonymous with the Lightning. 
happening. Just a smothering forecheck that doesn't allow teams to break out the other way offensively. Brilliant play in the neutral zone to disrupt chances. And then obviously relying on Vasilevsky as the last line of defense in their own zone. And once that was established, the Rangers only had two even strength goals since the first period of game two in that series, Mm. which is just remarkable. It seems like the core of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Greg, like the core group that has lasted here since the 2015 Stanley Cup final that they lost to the Blackhawks, actually, the thing that sort of spurred on this run. I mean, how much of it is about having a foundation upon which you can sort of rely on some amount of continuity? Well, it's like act like you've been there, right? And once you've been there, you know how to act. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the core of this team has been kept together and they are unflappable. It all tracks back to a series the Lightning played in 2019 against the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you remember that series, the Lightning were an unstoppable force in the regular season. They had one of the best regular seasons of all time, like 128 points in the standings. Mm. Then they played the Blue Jackets in the first round. They were the heaviest of heavy favorites, and they got swept. This one is over. Congratulations to the Blue Jackets. They sweep the Lightning. It's their first ever series win. And the Lightning had a record-breaking regular season, but go out in four straight in the playoffs. Shocking. It's absolutely shocking to me. They got embarrassed. That has been the pivot point for John Cooper, the coach of this team, and the veterans on this team, to understand fundamentally that they weren't playing the right way to win in the playoffs. It changed the way they approached defense. It changed the way they approached protecting the puck. It changed the way they approached their opponents. And all of that psychological learning has informed the next three seasons of postseason dominance. You have Cooper behind the bench. You have Captain Steven Stamkos, who is an absolute star in this league and one of the best goal scorers of his generation. Some might say even the second best goal scorer behind Ovechkin Mm. of the last 15 years. Vasilevsky in goal, Nikita Kucherov, my God, a brilliant offensive player, not only in the way he scores goals, but more importantly in the way that he creates them. Andre Palat, who is your classic glue guy. He's always there making plays, and then all of a sudden you look and he has two game-winning goals against the Rangers in the third period to prevent overtime. Hedman, slot, shot, score! Andre Palat makes it 3-2, to two, Tampa Bay! Defenseman Victor Hedman, who is now on a run of Norris Trophy nominations for the NHL's best defenseman and a probable Hall of Famer at the end of his career. And then you've got guys like Alex Kalorn and Pat Maroon that have been there forever making plays and and doing the gritty stuff down the lineup. But the key to this team is reinforcements. Yeah. The Lightning lost their entire checking line from last season's Stanley Cup winner. Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau, Yanni Gord, they all went their separate ways last offseason. And there was a real concern about how this team was going to replace those players. Part of the replacement came last summer when they signed veteran players Corey Perry, who used to be a brilliant goal scorer in this league and now has been reinvented as a, a, a gritty, at-all-costs player down, down the lineup. Pierre-Edouard Belmer, who actually played for the Avalanche last year. But the real key was the trade deadline. They traded for Brandon Hagel of the Chicago Blackhawks and Nick Paul of the Ottawa Senators. And Hagel, in particular, has formed 
another amazing checking line with Kalorn and a center named Anthony Sorelli, who's now been there for the two cups. And that line was the maybe the biggest difference outside of Vasilevsky in that Rangers series. So you mentioned the particular approach and the evolution of that approach for the Lightning. And what is the approach now, Greg, in this final? Like, what is the key to them beating the Colorado Avalanche? I think the key is the, without question, biggest advantage the Lightning have in this series, which is in goal. Andre Vasilevsky is, simply put, one of the best postseason goalies in the, the history of hockey. You know, look at the way he closed out the Rangers series. He was unbeatable. And when you're unbeatable, then you're going to advance to the Stanley Cup final. His clutch play is now legendary. Vasilevsky has 13 career series-clinching wins and has stopped 219 of 221 shots in his past eight series-clinching wins. Damn. He's the reason the Lightning have a chance at a Stanley Cup three-peat against the best offensive team in the playoffs. All right, Greg, after the break, we talk about the best offensive team that is left in the playoffs. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So standing in the way of all of the, well, all of the further hyperbole that it sounds like you're almost ready to bestow upon the Tampa Bay Lightning is the Colorado Avalanche. The team that was the preseason favorite to win the title this year, a team that you saw, again, bouncing out in the second round. And this city, Greg, I mean, look, growing up, I, I, I remember Joe Sackick passing the Stanley Cup to Ray Bork. Joe Sackick will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Bork! 2000-2001, I remember that. So what's it going to take for them to taste anything like that feeling again? 
I just want to say for the record that if Jordan Bennington didn't get hurt in that Blues series, I still think I'm going to be right. I'm going to cling to that. I'm going to cling <laughs> to that prediction. I know I did all the reverse jinx stuff at the top of the show. I will cling to that prediction that the Avalanche would not be here if Bennington didn't get hurt. No, this is real, Greg. This is real, Greg, actually defending his honor. I appreciate this, you doing this. exactly right. I got, I got to stand up for that pick. It was a, it was a damn good pick. Um, to put it in historical context, how good this Avalanche team has been, for a minimum of... Uh, 14 games played in the playoffs, their 4.64 goals per game average is the highest the NHL has seen since the 1987-88 Edmonton Oilers. Like, that is the level of offensive steamrolling that we've been seeing from this Avalanche team. This incarnation of the Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. The puck escapes and it's McKinnon on it. He's on his horse, powering through the speed burst. One stick, Haley! Oh my goodness, what a goal from Nathan McKinnon! Gabe Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, the emergence of Kale McCarr in the last couple of years. McCarr, we see his right through. Shoot the scores! Kale McCarr right off the draw! He danced, he danced, he danced, and then he fired! They've been bubbling under the surface of being the team that everyone uh, thought was going to win. And now they they have finally broken through uh, after a, uh, I'm going to tell you, a somewhat, a somewhat advantageous trip to the Stanley Cup final. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about the advantages. Let's talk about the privileges of the Colorado Avalanche because their road compared to the Lightning resembles what? Okay. They played the Nashville Predators in the first round. This was a Nashville Predators team that lost their starting goalie, UC Soros, who, by the way, is one of the best goalies in the NHL, right before the end of the regular season. They were gutted. It's like ripping out their spine. They knew they had no chance against this offensive juggernaut, and they lost in four straight games. Then they play the St. Louis Blues, and as I mentioned, the Blues start playing pretty good. They got their mojo back, and then boom, Nazem Kadri gets into a collision with Jordan Bennington. Like it moving! The net also off, and we'll have to see if Bennington is okay. I'll tell you, he's rattled on that hit. Bennington gets hurt, famously throws a water bottle at Kadri during a post-game interview because he's <laughs> so angry about being hurt. You know, I just tried to poke the puck free. I think their weak side defenseman came over and kind of bumped me, and that's, uh, you know, what, what caused the collision. So, you know, I hope he's all right. I'm not sure if he just threw a water bottle at me or not, but... <laughs> wow. And then the series eventually turns in the favor of the Avalanche, and they win in six. Then they play the Edmonton Oilers, a team that is literally being dragged by the collar to the conference final by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh-oh, Leon Dreisaitl has a high ankle sprain, is like 30% of himself. When one of your two best players is uh, injured like that, obviously you're not going to do well. And then they also have Mike Smith in goal. Mike Smith, agent of chaos in the National Hockey League, makes every save you don't expect them to make, can't make the saves you expect them to make, <laughs> and they advance in four straight games. So a very different trajectory from the Tampa Bay Lightning, point taken. But the one similarity that I want to return to that you had foreshadowed before is the idea of this long layoff, 
because they're also now the avalanche sitting idle for eight days, much in the way that the lightning sat idle before the conference final against the Rangers. What do you think that does to this team? Well, if you listen to what the Avalanche are saying before the Stanley Cup final, I think they're saying all the right things, which is that it's not that hard to get up for the championship round. So I do think that the Avalanche are correct, that they're not necessarily going to fall into the same trap that the Lightning did. I think there's a chance the Lightning might come out in the first period better than the Avalanche in Game 1, but I think from that point on, it'll be uh, the Avalanche that we all know and love. And the guy that you had projected as someone who had everything to lose in this postseason, Greg, you had this nailed back in May at least, right, was Nathan McKinnon. You named him and Connor McDavid as the two players that you personally were most afraid to see get knocked out of the playoffs because they have so much at stake here. So remind us what Nathan McKinnon has on the line and what you expect to see from him given that backdrop. Well, he's 26 years old. He's part of, obviously, a, a wave of NHL stars that have come through in the last decade or so. And a lot of them have Stanley Cup rings to their credit. And McKinnon has been kind of searching for his. The thing I didn't want to see, Pablo, was him lose again. Nathan McKinnon, in a post-series press conference after a defeat, he seethes with the fury of a thousand burning suns. I mean, there's always next year. It's all we talk about, I feel like. I mean, I'm going in my ninth year next year, and I haven't won shit, so I'm just definitely motivated, and I'm just, yeah, it just sucks. You can see the competitive spirit oozing out of him. He just gets so sullen and emo and angry, and he takes all of this so seriously. Like, he's the guy who shame, who shames his teammates for not for, for eating sugar. Like, he, he is, his body is a temple, his <laughs> mind is on the playoffs, and he just wants to win. But the key to them winning does seem like one of those other teammates, Greg. In specific, their star defenseman, Kale McCarr, right? Because he has been precocious and prolific for the Avalanche, in large part because he does not seem anything like a typical defenseman. The playoffs are in his blood, man. He actually made his NHL debut in the playoffs before playing a single regular season game. Shot scores! That was McCarr! And ever since then, it's just been on an absolute tear. He was second for the Norris Trophy last year. And it's expected he's going to win it this year. Now, the special thing about McCarr is twofold. One, he does things that we've just never seen. Like, I, rare is the NHL player who can simply just skate the puck at the blue line during a power play and draw oohs and ahs from the crowd. Drops one off to McCarr. McCarr in the corner and now along the half board. Oh, beautiful wheel around move. Oh, and scores! Colorado wins it in overtime. What a pirouette goal scored by the young defenseman, Cal McCarr. But he's such a magical skater and magical stick handler. That's what we see. The other thing is, Makar is a brilliant two-way player in this league. He pairs with Devon Taves, his defensive partner, to take on some of the toughest defensive assignments for his team. There's no let-up in his defensive side. He's obviously a better offensive player than he is a defensive player. But don't sleep on the fact that Kale Makar is a great defensive defenseman, too. 
So the question then becomes, Greg, can they keep it up? Because you just sung the praises of Vasilevsky. You sung the praises of the Tampa Bay Lightning's defense. And now we have an offensive attack that is special, clearly. Can they do this against that goaltender? You have to remember that the Avalanche have not faced a goalie as good as Andre Vasilevsky. You could argue that they've not faced a blue line as good as the Lightning defense with Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough playing three quarters of the game. And the Lightning also have a collection of great two-way players and defensive aces. But conversely, the Lightning, in the only series they played against a team that was really good five-on-five in the Toronto Maple Leafs, struggled a bit. And the Colorado Avalanche of five-on-five are really good. And they're really good for a specific reason, which is that they generate a ton of shot attempts. Nearly 70 per 60 minutes of five-on-five play as a team. Nathan McKinnon is a good bellwether for that. He averages around 22 shot attempts per 60. So the shot generation of this Colorado team means that the Lightning are going to see a lot more shot volume than they've seen in the previous three rounds. And it's one of the reasons why Colorado's 4.64 goals per game leads to playoffs. The other complication that I want to ask you about here, Greg, in terms of what we're about to see here is that the Avalanche have won a lot of high-scoring games. I mean, this has been another big subplot of the postseason. You look at the box scores of some of these games and you're like, wow, this is a hockey game, apparently. (laughs) I didn't know that it was like this. So what does pass tell you in terms of prologue? Well, we should first say that, you know, the Avalanche are part of an overall vibe in these playoffs about offense carrying over from the regular season. You and I talked about how the regular season in the NHL was like the craziest offensive regular season they've had uh, since like the mid-90s. Yes. And the explosion carried over uh, through 83 playoff games. There were 527 goals, a 6.35 goals per game average. That's the highest since the 1991-92 postseason. And the Avalanche have been a big part of that, uh, both in how they score and then in what they give up, right? So, like, they've participated on both ends of the ice. You know, I think defensively, the Avalanche are a bit better than their stats might indicate. Because the stats indicate that they're abysmal. They're porous, right? Yeah. But if you look at their expected goals against per 60 at five on five, they're actually the second best team in the playoffs. And and specifically, they play really well on the road defensively. And and that's tactical. As Nathan McKinnon put it uh, in the series against the Edmonton Oilers, they want to play, quote, boring and gross hockey on the road. (laughs) Just like muck it up, grind it out, score icky goals, and then make it really hard for the other team. Make it feel like they're skating through quicksand. And so if they're able to do that in this series against Tampa, I think it's going to continue this sneakily good defense that they've played in these playoffs. Wait, so as, as a hockey connoisseur, Greg, do you like the taste of boring and gross? Or are you a high-octane guy who has really enjoyed this new iteration of hockey that we've gotten over the past year? Well, Pablo... I grew up a New Jersey Devils fan, which means I was a New Jersey Devils fan during the neutral zone trap years in which they won a couple (laughs) of cups playing boring and gross hockey. So to the Colorado Avalanche, I will say I was born in boring and gross hockey. You merely adopted it. (laughs) So, Greg, at at the end here, we do need to tempt fate. 
It's time for you to look into the weird smudged uh, goldfish bowl that is the source of your predictions and tell us <laughs> who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, the future is very cloudy, Pablo. <laughs> uh, I'm picking the Avalanche in six with some serious reservations that uh, I am missing the boat on a lightning three-peat. Wait, 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 wait. So already you're giving us caveats. Already you're anticipating this all going haywire. Why are you already attaching some sort of concern to that? Well, it's the advantage and goal that that's really has me uh, vexed here. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky is so far better than what the Avalanche are going to put in net. The decision the Avalanche had to make for this series is whether they go with Darcy Kemper. He started 10 of 11 games before getting hurt in game one against Edmonton. He hasn't played since May 31st. Or go with his backup, Pablo Francois, who's actually played pretty well after Kemper was injured. Neither of the solutions are really great, although you have to say the man they call Frankie, who's been 3-0 and with a 2.33 goals against average and three starts after Kemper got hurt, maybe is the better option. Mm. But neither of these guys are Andre Vasilevsky and against a Lightning team that we've talked a lot about, you know, their defensive prowess. They could bring it offensively too with uh, Stamkos and Kucherov and they should be getting Braden Point back and healthy for this series too, who's only the leading goal scorer over the last three postseasons. If they don't get the goaltending, they're not going to win the series, but I think they'll get enough of it to win in six. Greg, I don't know if the man they call Frankie is from New Jersey, but that's a very New Jersey way of calling him. (laughs) Don't worry, boys. Frankie got this. (laughs) Greg Mashinsky, never boring and occasionally, yeah, pretty gross. Thank you, as always, for your wisdom. It's an honor, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.